If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. News. I'm Randall James, and I am super excited to talk about this new Harry Potter book. <laughs> not, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, I'm Ron Weasley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Random <Boy>. Pal. <laughs> uh, boy, should I just then be Neil C. Sierrega and, and do the rest of the puppet pals? But... <laughs> Boy, right. that is an old reference. <laughs> but it checks out. Uh, Tyler, what are yeah, what are we doing tonight? Today we're going to talk about Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, the newly released source book for D&D 5th edition. Uh, it released in the first week of December 2021 for all you people listening to this in the distant, distant future. And there's some stuff in it. Yeah, no, there, there totally is. Uh, you in the distant, distant future, this is going to be your favorite source book ever. And so uh, surely you're already familiar. But if not, we can fill you in. There are some exciting new character options. I know people who follow RPG Bot are super into the character options, so we'll start with those. Probably the, the thing that people were looking forward to most in the source book is the Owlin race. They're owl people. You pretty much get exactly what you would expect. They can see in the dark, they can fly, and they're very quiet. I, I did. I, I actually appreciated the fact that you had all of those things. Um, it seems super obvious that they would be there, but it would have been kind of a bummer if you didn't automatically have proficiency in stealth, for instance, as an owl. Because for those who aren't aware, owls are terrifying. <laughs> no. Have you looked at the art in the book? The owlins are great. They're like the one that it that I had stick with me was just... Like a snowy owl. I mean, there are several in the book. There's a, there's a lot of them, but there's one that was just very clearly like a real gorgeous snowy owl looking character just doing stuff. And then of course there's you know the the what one of the the named people in the uh, list of other people you can have relationships with. We'll get to that. Who is the perpetually tussled hair somehow because you wouldn't fix your feathers? I don't like. Sure. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there with Owlins. So Strixhaven is a tie-in with the Magic the Gathering set that also released in 2021. So Strixhaven is a new setting. And it's a little surprising that we've gotten a book this quickly. But random aside, someone on Twitter introduced me to one of the cards. One of the named characters in Strixhaven is, I believe, an Owlin, but I'm honestly still not certain. But their creature type is Legendary Bird Advisor. And... (laughs) Okay. It's still not clear to me if that means a bird who advises or one who advises birds or both. I'm thinking we're going to go with Por que no los dos here. I mean, <laughs> there's a decent chunk of Owlin students, and also there's a decent chunk of Owlin staff. Seeing that the, the tie-in is really, uh, really cool, I, along my 
many and varied game exploits i did judge magic the gathering for a while and and i I still keep up on all the new sets and stuff so seeing how they've taken the flavor of these things that did start life as a magic setting and imported that i think that that is one of the things that this book did really well is take the flavor of the setting they did and absolutely translate it brilliantly into D&D mechanics. And I, I do think like it's it's really original what they've done with the idea of like, well, what if we kind of play like one level per student year and it goes through 10 years of, of being a student. So you can go from first to 10 level. And they have this awesome thing where like, I, I know we'll get to it, but at the end of every year, there's a big game that everybody <laughs> plays in. Like that's a really original idea. That's really cool. And the student body wants to go out and root for you. And you as the main characters get to get out there on the field. And so that's exciting. Uh, yeah. I think I think there's a ball at one point. <laughs> uh, there is surprisingly not. Yeah, that, that would be in year four, right? That's what, oh, no, oh, wait. That kind of, <laughs> wrong that kind thing of again. <laughs> um, I think we had the numbers there a, a little bit wrong. Um, so you actually advance to roughly 10th level, but it takes place over four years of college. So this is oh, very much your, your okay. four-year degree experience, which raises the interesting question. If a 10th level wizard has a four-year degree, what is a first level wizard? Is that like I've taken a college class? Like I passed an AP test and now I'm going to go pretend? Like... I'm being a little ridiculous, obviously. Like, Strixhaven is supposed to be for the, you know, the best wizards in the multiverse. So getting to level 10, like, yeah, you're going to be a pretty good wizard. But it's still yeah. kind of fun to think about. Well, and then in, in all seriousness, it, it read to me as if the, the pitch wasn't that you necessarily went there to get better at magic, but that it is a school all about leveraging magic to improve other academic pursuits. Yeah, and, and in fact, I mean, they... they touch on this some in the introduction where it is in fact they, they actually welcome people who we would not traditionally think of as being able to cast magic in D mechanics you know they, they talk about like if you're a ancestral path barbarian where you just summon the spirits of your ancestors to talk to them to find out neat stuff about the past um or you know whatever sort of vaguely non-standard thing that you could do and in fact i was actually talking as we were you know discussing this day of in, in our our chat and probably a, a straight class like champion fighter is maybe going to be the hardest thing that you're going to be able to like justify here but even so you you know there's plenty of ways to say maybe maybe this is someone who's support staff as opposed to actively trying to participate in the using of magic to further knowledge but just to circle back around to character options uh, and speaking of fighters in particular Feats! <laughs> yes. There's only two. One of them is goofy and busted, and the other one requires the first one, which is a thing that we haven't seen in 5th edition. That's interesting to see feet chains coming back. Let's see how long before they stretch into point-blank shot, precise shot, shot on the run. Oh god, no. Never. Never again. No more trees, please. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, so the, the, a feet chain is just that I have some feet, and then I have a second feet that requires a first feet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and that dates back to third edition where famously you would have to take several feats in a row before you got the feat you actually cared about. Yeah. It, not. I mean, there, there's one that I just talked about. It. We, we mentioned one in the last full episode, I think, which was the, the whirlwind attack, the, those sorts of things. Podcast magic. This might actually come out before that. So <laughs> <laughs> that first feat is 
goofy powerful and it's particularly problematic because they stick it into the background these are the first backgrounds that include a feat that's already amazing and then the fact that it's a feat this strong is like if you have access to these backgrounds and you are a spellcaster you should never take anything else because you're just shooting yourself in the foot and so what is the feat so it's called strixhaven initiate when you pick it you have to choose one of the five houses i forgot Coll- what they're actually colleges called. colleges thank you you have to pick one of the the five flavors of study there and you choose two of three cantrips and a first level spell from one of two class lists based on the uh, college that you pledge to so you get the cantrips added for free and this and the first level spell you get those added for free to every spell casting class that you ever have and once a day you get to cast the first level spell for free using and, and i mean you you pick this at the time but using any mental stat so, so i'm pretty sure you have to pick your mental stat when you take the feat yeah, yeah so i'm sorry that that was not clear but yes i mean you pick the mental stat when you take the feat but like if you want to just pick up a bard spell and be casting that off wisdom for the rest of your career you can do that you know if we try and compare this to something like magic initiate it's just enormously strictly better <laughs> like like leagues better in some ways yes in some ways no the since you're limited to specific cantrip options your cantrip options aren't nearly as good with strixhaven initiate but yeah in terms of handling of the leveled spells yeah strixhaven initiate is way better than magic initiate if we ever get magic initiate reprinted which maybe in 5.5 i imagine it'll probably follow similar mechanics Makes sense. And then we also, we got five new spells, one per college. And I think these are interesting. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to run through them right quick. Go for it. All right. All right. Uh, we have, I think, the least controversial of them all, Silvery Barbs. A, <laughs> a, a, a first level spell that can be best summarized is actually uh, you roll with disadvantage and she gets to roll with advantage next turn. I guess we dive into this in a second. I'll maybe go through the list first. Uh, we have Kinetic Jaunt, which is a second-level spell. Uh, basically, you have an epic dance battle. You, you do a jaunt, and as you do your jaunt, no opportunity to attacks can be taken against you. Uh, and also, you have the ability to invade other creatures' personal bubble for just a moment, as long as you then exit the bubble. Uh, and actually, if you fail to exit the bubble, you do take force damage, so that's interesting. You have Vortex Warp, which is fun with portals. So you take a creature that you can see, and then you put them over there. <laughs> uh, there's a range attached to it. it it's fine. Uh, you have Borrowed Knowledge, which is a second-level spell. Uh, I want to say it lasts for an hour, but can be best summarized as Nearly Headless Nick whispers advice in your ear, and now you're proficient in something for an hour. Uh, you reach back to, like, Ancestral Spirits or something, and you suddenly know how something works. Also, you have to have a book with you. I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> just it, any book, literally yeah. any book. I think it has to be worth like 25 silver pieces or something. But yeah. And it, I don't think the book is consumed, although that would be kind no. of interesting. <laughs> too. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> it's, a, it's very slightly consumed because, you know, the somatic component is open the book, lick the book, close the book. Now you have gained the knowledge. <laughs> is that is that not how people read books? It's, well, Braille, at least. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I've been doing Braille it wrong. with your tongue? <laughs> Are you not? 
uh, and then finally, uh, Wither and Bloom, uh, a second level spell, which is basically what if your life sucked more and your life sucked less? Um, so you can deal damage, uh, necrotic damage to one creature while also choosing one creature and healing a creature. Um, so yeah, spells. Boy, there is a lot of room to optimize here. Borrowed Knowledge is one of now numerous spells that we can use to basically stack spell effects, get really good at a skill really easily. Borrowed Knowledge will give you proficiency. Skill Empowerment will give you expertise. Enhance Ability will give you advantage. So with three spells, you can take a person who knows nothing about a skill and make them as good as possible in that skill. And you can do that with, I think, one character. I can't remember if skill empowerment needs concentration. But the fact that you can do that makes, like, skill-heavy builds, like just rogues as a concept, less interesting at very high levels. There is obviously a cost. But if you've got, like, two or three rounds and you're like, ah, we need somebody to make an arcana check to know about this magical nonsense. Hey, barbarian, come here and hold still. Hmm. Yeah, Vortex Warp is cool. I actually really like that one. I wish that you could use it on an ally without them making a saving throw, but rules as written, you can't intentionally fail a saving throw. It's written into the spell description that you can intentionally fail the saving throw. Oh, there we go. I read right past that line. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, use that on your friends. Get them out of grapples. Use it to get them behind enemies. Like, yeah, the tactical applications are numerous and wonderful. Yeah, I just, I mean, let me tell you that, like, Teleporting rogues to behind someone, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> it's, a, it's what we call a jerk move. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Someone had to say that. Yep. Let's see. What else? Uh, kinetic Jaunt is basically just Zephyr Strike, but more expensive. Ranger first level spell Zephyr Strike does almost the exact same thing, except you can't move through creatures and you don't get the 10 foot move speed bonus. So, like, it's neat. It's not great. We've got a lot of spells that do that same thing at this point. A Shardalon Stride is third level and basically does the same thing, but also damage. I don't see Kinetic Jaunt getting a ton of use, but people playing Gish builds might enjoy it. Wither and Bloom is really cool because it does damage and lets you use hit dice in the middle of combat, which I don't think we've seen before, so that's an interesting mechanic. Not on a spell. It's the second thing that I can think of that lets you use a hit die in the middle of combat and I will be absolutely buggered if I can remember what the first thing is. Isn't it? Isn't it that feat for dwarves? Oh yes, it is. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's super rare. We've only seen it twice in all of fifth edition. It's really neat. And it's cool that wizards can cast it because it means that wizards can heal people now. So let's talk about silvery barbs. This is gonna get a little spicy. So People on the internet are very angry about this spell, which I kind of can't blame them because it's really, really good, maybe in ways that's not obvious to a lot of people immediately. So first, we have gotten a rules clarification. It does not override legendary resistances. So if you use it on an ancient dragon, or like you hit an ancient dragon with save or suck, and they say, no, I'm just going to choose to succeed even though I rolled, rolled badly, that wins over silvery barbs. So you can't you can't eat legendary resistances with this. But you can still use it for your friends saber suck spells. So like if you have a party of everyone who can cast silvery barbs, everyone should just be playing saber suck casters. There is no reason to play anything else. Like 
caster one casts the save or suck. Caster two, as a reaction, forces whoever passed the save to roll again. And then, yeah, you can pass off advantage to somebody else in your party. But honestly, if if you didn't have the ability to give advantage to somebody else, this would still be amazing. Like, it, this is probably too good. If I compare this to, um, there's like a, a Pathfinder spell, which I think maybe got added very late back into 3.5, where you could basically just, like, first level spell slot, you have disadvantage on that X thing you roll. So that's same spell level, but you have to use it first, and it had a save. Yeah, I remember that. We used that a few times. Yeah. It was. This has no save, is a reaction, and happens after the fact. I don't know why this would be useful, but even strictly speaking, it's not really disadvantage. It's they have to roll again and keep the lower. So, I mean, not that base rules there are degrees of success, but if you are trying to, you know, include degrees of success like we've talked about in in a previous episode, there is literally no downside to using this spell. It's just great. Yeah. I guess on a on a saving throw there there isn't at all, right? The the advantage would be like on an attack roll what if the, the re-roll was a natural 20? Yeah. Would, would have been a critical hit. Now you're forcing them to go, okay, you succeeded, but at least you didn't, you didn't crit me. Yep, perfect. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can negate crits. You can negate, uh, you can negate successful saves against your spells and stuff or your allies' spells because there's still the one-level spell per, limitation, per turn limitation. Yeah, random, you got it right. There's no downside to this the the only limitation on the spell is your spell slots and the fact that it has 60 foot range help me remember how this goes on my turn i use a leveled spell yes am i then blocked from using a leveled spell as a reaction until my next turn no it's it's a per turn limitation so you could cast a leveled spell on your turn and then between turns you could still cast shield or something like that as a reaction because it's a reaction, I'm actually using it on your turn. And so I, I only have one reaction anyway. But exactly. okay, this makes right. sense now. If you can find a way to get more reactions in 5th edition, boy, boy howdy. <laughs> um, there aren't any. But okay. if you can find yeah. one. Cavalier. Really? Yeah. I, I'm boy. pretty sure you can only use it for opportunity attacks. So like it specifies you have an extra reaction, you can use it for opportunity attacks. But still, okay. it exists. Okay, and then I guess one more clarification. But I only I only have one reaction between my my turns. Yes. yes, and so if I burned it by taking an opportunity attack, I couldn't then use this. Vice versa, if I had an opportunity for an opportunity attack, I'd be denied it. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Basic rules, but it's useful to talk through sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. This stuff's confusing. Uh, and and related to spells, uh, magic items. We don't get a lot, but we do get a few, and. Uh, some of them are wonderful flavor, quite literally, infinite <laughs> coffee. And some of them are actually, I mean, for being, uh, I believe they're uncommon. Yes. The, the primers are really good. Once again, they have removed the opportunity cost, which feels weird. Like, so much of this book is just, boy, you, you guys just sort of unintentionally making things much stronger than they seem at, at first glance. For each of the primers... If you're holding it, once per long rest, get to give yourself a spell from an appropriate class, um, a first-level spell, I think. 
which, you know, plenty of good first-level utility spells that are always useful. But then when you make one of the... Or when, when you make a skill check associated with one of the two skills that each college cares about, you can spend one of the three charges to, after the fact, roll a d4 and add it. And it's that after the fact. Again, there's no opportunity cost. If I roll a 14 on my arcana, I'm like, boy, I am just confident that a 15 is what I needed to hit. Boop, throw the d4, <laughs> you succeeded. Those are going to be really strong for, once again, stacking those skills that you want to just through the roof uh, especially the, I mean, the, the Silver Quill one hits, like, Deception and Persuasion, I think. You're, like, two very... Something like that. Um, or, or it might be Performance, but, you know, it's two very critical face skills. Those are really good. I agree. There's a lot of things in here that feel like it's just ramping up the power level quite a bit. If you read the adventure, there's also a ton of magic items awarded as loot. So it's very clear that if you're playing a strict saving game, this is going to be very high magic. Magic items are going to rain from the sky. Like you, one of the portions of the adventure, you literally just find a magic item in the in the bottom of a box that people forgot about. Like, oh, well, we don't know who it belongs to. You want to keep it? Sure. That is the degree of magic that you can expect from strict saving. In a lot of ways, if you're playing a strict saving game, it's going to be very high-powered, it's going to be very high magic, and it might not be a good idea to allow everything from strict saving outside of this book. We may have finally gotten a book where we have to say, okay, guys, leave this where it came from. Yeah, because how, how much of this material would you say fits into that? Would you let the, would you let the feats come out? Would you let these first-level spells join their, their spell list? I would let the Owlin into pretty much any game. Okay. I would probably allow Strixhaven Initiate if you took it like as a standalone feat. I would allow all of the spells with the, with the exception of Silvery Barbs, which you could very easily fix by just saying, hey, this is second level. Yeah, the, the magic items are really neat, but they are very powerful. Like, I've... I really like that all of the new magic items cap out at uncommon so that they're more accessible early in the game and you actually get to enjoy them for a while. But they are very, very powerful, like Random said. So, yeah, be very careful with anything you let outside of this book and do not use the Strixhaven backgrounds outside of the adventure because they are very clearly intended for this adventure and for Strixhaven games and nothing else. I'm pretty, pretty much in lockstep. The items, I will say, they do at least require attunement, which if you're in a, a high magic setting where that, you know, you're running into, like, maybe I already have three attunement items that I want to use, that's at least something nice. I completely agree. Owlin is great. Honestly, I, I would have a hard time even justifying Strixhaven Initiate in my game unless, like, you did have some equivalent to a magic college all the spells are great the items i would tend towards a if you want this sure and if you're if you start abusing it we're going to have that conversation again yeah absolutely and so in in the book we also have several new mechanics that i think are interesting we have uh student dice we have <laughs> jobs we have the exams mage tower so kind of a a, a new mini game and finally we have relationships. 
Yes. Uh, so a lot of the a lot of the new mechanics can be summarized as a skill based mini game. Exams are a skill based mini game that take place takes place in three phases. The game of Mage Tower is basically magical capture the flag, which is a skill based mini game which takes place in three phases. And notably, rogues are really good at both of them. You don't need magic. You need skills. So be a rogue. But relationships are probably the the most novel new mechanic it introduces a also the spiciest (laughs) also the spiciest yes very spicy so it introduces a numerical scale for how much somebody likes you ranging from negative two to three everyone starts at zero i don't understand why they couldn't have just gone from one to six but that's fine so it's a six point scale everyone starts at zero positive means they like you more negative means they dislike you three is quote-unquote beloved which is never explicitly called out but it could mean that you're dating them or it could mean that they're just a really really close friend or something basically every time you interact with a subset of the npcs in the campaign you can move that scale up or down by one depending on how your interaction with that character goes but the trick is you get to choose who you interact with at every point So if you go and interact with someone and it doesn't go well on the first time, they hit negative one, never speak to them again. Because if they hit negative two, they become a rival and they will mess up your day. And that gets progressively sillier because at a few few points, the prescribed NPCs, which are set up to be part of this system, are written into certain, certain story events in the game. So if you have them as a rival... They show up and have this long, wonderful interaction with you where you do something nice and, like, there's box text where they say nice things about you and all these things. Even though they're your rival and there's nothing written into those segments to say, if they're your rival, they're going to they're gonna mess with you a little bit. The relationship system has some neat ideas, but it's, it's a, a little broken. Like, it, it doesn't quite work how you want, but if you squint at it and intentionally don't abuse the mechanics it can be a lot of fun you say broken and to me what it really feels is not well thought out we'll definitely touch more on this later but the relationship in particular of the mechanics presented feels very rushed while we we have this this framework they gave you so little to work with that even filling it in the way that i i I like to say that fifth edition is so good at is hard because in this particular case, they say, okay, so here's this new mechanic relationships. Here's these specific people. Now we're just going to assume that you're going to use this mechanic and these people, the adventure that we've printed later in this book, and we're not going to tell you anything else about how to ever import it into your own game. If you do something that an NPC likes, you get a point. And if you do something they dislike, you lose a point. And that's it. And it's just left up to the DM to determine what does that mean? And, and, like, you know, on the one hand, that's a really interesting way to, you know, try and build engagement with the NPCs that you're, act, you know, that you're playing as the DM. But, man, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> and if you – so if, if you wanted to import this into your game, I would make a suggestion, like, particularly if you are going to be having these be long-standing NPCs that they are repeatedly interacting with, do up – um, like bonds, flaws, and ideals, the same way that a player character or that some of the NPCs in Wild Beyond the Witchlight, you know, that they have those four NPCs, use that as like, ah, oh, the the player did something in line with my bond. Great. 
and, and that that's going to be a much easier way to try and make this something more concrete than the way it's presented. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate the fact that they gave this idea to us of um, uh, incrementing and decrementing an integer to track how an NPC feels about a character. Because I've had the problem in past games where, like, I've had the farmer and I've had the characters, like, burn down the farm and murder all the sheep and this sort of thing. And then the next day, the farmer still likes the characters and treats them, like, with dignity and respect. If I had thought to, to, to subtract one, I think I really could have had a different interaction between the farmer and the player characters. Yeah, of course, rival farmer is now an interesting concept that uh, we have to go to. But the big bad evil guy, a first level commoner. Yeah, three five had a had an affection scale or disposition. I think it was called that ranged from unfriendly to friendly or something like that. Or if you included epic rules, fanatical. <laughs> um, so this essentially reintroduces that mechanic. So it it gives you a number that you can use to track how much a, cre- a creature likes you, which can be helpful if you find that difficult to track. Because if you've got 100 NPCs you're keeping track of, you can just say, like, likes the party negative one. And that's all you have to remember. I want to touch on Mage Tower real quick, because I got very excited about Mage Tower when I read it. Skill-based minigame, I'm just going to touch on this real quick, but you can use spells during the game as long as they don't harm the stadium, the grounds, the people, etc. So no damage. And they specifically say... If you spend a third-level spell slot or higher, you get an automatic success on your skill check for that segment of the game. So there's three segments of the game. So if you have three third-level spell slots or higher, you automatically get the maximum number, number of successful skill checks that you can get in the game, which means when spellcasters of roughly seventh level and higher start playing, every game is perpetually a tie, which I don't think they intended to do... But <laughs> no, no, no! It's only perpetually a tie if they're intelligent. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, so more examples of like great idea, flawed execution. Yeah. I want to talk about the campaign a little bit because we we've kind of beaten on the campaign and the mechanics around it. I read through quite a bit of it, and there are some really fun ideas in here. The way they've laid out the story is really cool. It does seem like a good campaign that would be a lot of fun to play through, but it's definitely catered to, like, a specific audience. Like, you're going to go into this not expecting to power game a whole lot, not expecting to really dig into the mechanics too much. So this this would be a good game for just, like, your lighthearted game, your beer and pretzels, maybe you're playing with kids, maybe you're playing with newer players... The story is pretty linear. Like, there's not a lot of room to divert the story in a different direction. Like, all the exams happen on such and such point in the story. All of the the sports games happen here and here. You meet this NPC here and here. Like, it's very linear. There are a couple of small dungeon crawls where you get to wander around inside a box canyon. But this isn't your big sandbox game. This isn't Icewind Dale or the Essentials Kit or something where you're said, here's a place, go. I would probably take this to people who enjoy Harry Potter and similar works of fiction and say, hey, I've got a game that you might enjoy. It's pretty like it's pretty light. We'll have a good time. It's not going to be hard to engage with. But if you've been playing D&D for like 20 years and you come in like I want to be challenged, maybe this isn't the game for you. Yeah, I feel like the the most interesting part of this might actually be doing the role playing of being a 
college student at a magical university or a university, you know, in, that embodies magic. I, I almost feel like it'd be interesting. Like you have a session where like you play for a little bit, you RP a party where you have a few drinks, you eat some food, you talk to each other, you have a good time. And then immediately you sit back down for exams. That sounds like a great time. <laughs> Are we suggesting that people do a, a shave the serial numbers off Harry Potter LARP as part of their D&D session? A hundred percent. I feel like that's the only way you're going to make this thing work. I was about to say, I feel like that's literally what this book was designed for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, perfect. I, I guess I think we should each maybe say, I was not as excited about this source book as I was about Wild Beyond the Witchlight. I thought that was super cool and magical. It was something that I thought would be a lot of fun to like both introduce to the kids or sit around with adults and play. Um, this, I feel like, I... Yeah, like the I can't help but think finally a tabletop game for Harry Potter fans. <laughs> and I, and I, I think if you had a group of folks who wanted to like just double down and play that idea, that it would be an amazing campaign. You'd have it a fantastic time. You would probably find ways to stretch the game and really enjoy the RP, like in in novel ways that maybe can't be done in other places. But yeah, it it, it doesn't necessarily excite me. Yeah, this is definitely more of a niche story than most of the adventures we've gotten in 5th edition. There are some good ideas here that kind of didn't work out exactly how I think Wizards expected. I'm sure a lot of this a lot of this kind of ran into difficulties when they had to pull the subclasses that they previewed in Unearthed Arcana. Like, we got subclasses for each of the colleges, and they were a mess. So pulling that out probably took away a lot of writing time, probably took away a lot of focus. So there was definitely some issues here. And then the, just the marketing around this book was really scant. Like it was all wild beyond the witch light, which light came out two weeks later. They're like, ah, we're releasing Strixhaven in two weeks. And then it, and then here it was. So yeah, this, this felt a little bit rushed in a lot of ways. It probably could have done with some more time to refine the mechanics. This is definitely a niche book for people who want the Strixhaven story, but most people are probably just going to buy this and plunder it for the spells and stuff. Yeah, and I have to say, I have very little else to add beyond ditto. Um, <laughs> I, I Tyler did a brilliant job of, of explaining pretty much exactly my thoughts. I, um, you know, a lot of the content is going to be husk around the the few fabulous options that you get um and you know how much of that you're, you're going to be allowed to take into any one thing is always a question in, in particular if you look at, if you're looking at this as like i am a adventures league player would i consider this to be my plus one in PHB plus one no absolutely not um so yeah just <clears throat> very cool for the flavor but not something i would buy all right, and there you have it. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for this uh, edition of the RPGBot.news. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye.